Welcome to Breaking the Glass Slipper. I'm your host, Megan Lee, and today I'm very honoured to be joined by science fiction writer Becky Chambers, whose first novel, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, I absolutely loved. So Becky, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, hi. Um, I am the author of The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, which is a, a science fiction novel I will be discussing at length today, um, as well as the upcoming sequel, A Closed and Common Orbit. Um, I also write uh, essays and short fiction from time to time, and that's what I do. And you do it well, so thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I try. (laughs) Thank you for being with us today. Um, so I just wanted to start off with um, asking you about your route to publication because I know I sort of I heard about you um, when you were doing this Kickstarter to fund you know a self-published novel um, and I just was wondering you know why did you decide to go down that path? Well, it's actually what's funny is that I was I did the Kickstarter but I was initially aiming for traditional publishing, um, which I said in the campaign. Basically. What had happened was I was freelancing at the time and um, I had this gap in paying work. Um, I was about two thirds of the way through the novel at that point and I didn't have any gigs until the summer. And it was um, just this this sort of do or die moment of I've come this far with the book. I really want to finish it. Um but it's either it's either this or I need to, you know, go out and pitch and, and you know, any it, for those of you who haven't freelanced before, like finding freelance work is, is is a job in and of itself. So it's it's really hard to juggle a creative project while you're while you're pitching. Um, so I decided, OK, I'm going to you know, I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to see if anybody's interested in it. And if not, that's a sign that I should probably do something else. Um, so I I put together this little Kickstarter and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking to fund my writing time for the next two months. Um, you know, I'm intending to, to traditionally publish, but if, if not, then I'll, I'll self-publish, you know, to make sure that you have a, a copy in hand. Um, and the campaign was successful, um, much to my surprise. And, um, you know, so I, I finished the book. And from there, you know, I, I did, um, you know, the things you're supposed to do. I, I, I got an agent and uh, went out on submission and that wasn't successful. And I hadn't been out on sub very long um, when my agent uh, got another job. Um, and, it, it, you know, no hard feelings there. <laughs> he and I are still good friends. Um, but, you know, it, it did mean that I, I was out representation and, and was faced with, you know, should I query, should I find another agent or should I just put it out there? And if it hadn't been for the campaign, I probably would have kept querying because, I just knew that traditional publishing was probably going to be a better fit for me um, in the long term. But I, um, I, you know, I had all these people who had believed in the project and who had been waiting patiently. And so I was like, no, nah, like, you know, I've got I've got to show them what they help make. So um, so I took the plunge and I self-published and um, and it was a really great experience. But, yeah, it was definitely a topsy-turvy way of getting there. So, um you know, a lot of uh, self-publishers, you know, I mean, the thing that we um, stress a lot to them is that, you know, you need to have a good editor and you need to have that all that work done yourself that a publishing house would do. So, I mean, did you how did you go about doing all that? Um, that's excellent advice that I wholeheartedly endorse and totally did not follow. Um, <laughs> so, um, what I did do, um, because I was really short on funds, so I couldn't afford an editor. And I will say like, 
don't don't take that as an excuse for for not doing it. Like in hindsight, I really it, it, it's so beneficial to have an editor. But what I did have is beta readers. And if you if you if for whatever reason you can't get an editor, at least have beta readers have people who are gonna you know go through it and read it and get a second pair of eyes on it um and that was that was really useful to me in in going back and editing my own work you know that the novel went through three drafts before um before I self-published so um yeah I mean self-publishing you know in the title suggests that it's a solitary activity but you really do need outside help like books don't get made alone you know so um yeah, I, don't don't do what I did. Definitely, <laughs> definitely <laughs> hire an editor. Yeah, do what I say, not what I do. Yep. <laughs> but you um, did eventually, you know, get picked up by publishers. So how did that happen? Um, through dumb luck, really. Uh, <laughs> so I I self published the book, and you know I I'd gotten good feedback, but my problem, and this is this is why I knew from the start that that self publishing was going to be tough for me, was that I am not great at self promotion and marketing is not something I'm, I'm inherently comfortable with and it's something that if you are going to self-publish you need to be able to do um and so it had done okay like I mean I'd made back the the money I'd invested in it you know and like people who read it had liked it but you know it wasn't um you know it wasn't wool or something you know it, it yeah. hadn't really gotten a big reach but I I was happy with it where it was I was like okay I did what I said I was gonna do and and that's it yay, some people like it. And I, you know, I, I'm happy there. Um, and so I, I self published in, in 2014. And that same summer, I went to uh, Worldcon, which was in London that year. And I went to um, a party completely unrelated to anything I was I was writing for various sites online at the time. So it was like sort of a blogger get together. And, and I met um, my now editor Ann Perry oh, um, wonderful Ann Perry yeah 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 oh, she's she's, she's I have, great so I don't even have words right now because she's just <laughs> so, she's so fabulous and I just love her to bits um but yeah so we met at a party and again being wonderful at self-promotion I did not mention that I had a book at all um and and she was she was you know there in the context of um you know, she was up for the for the, she and and Jared Sheeran were up for the for the Porn Hugo for Pornokitch, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so that was the context in which we met. We were both people who wrote stuff on the internet, um, and that is all we talked about. And you know, had a beer and what have you. And so I left the con, not thinking anything of it. And um, a few months later, I get an email from her saying I didn't I didn't even know she was an editor <laughs> you know I just um and so I get an email from her saying you know I, I've read the book I really loved it are you interested in traditional publishing and I was like yes so and and that was that and we, you know that was you know we just went from there um so it was it was just a total you know sort of bolt of lightning happenstance sort of thing that I still in some ways have have not really gotten over. Oh, that's very very good luck. But also you know the the text speaks for itself. I think it, it's and you know it's not just all of us nerds who have loved it. You know it's got you, you were shortlisted for the Clark Award as well. Yeah, I yeah? was. That's another one. I'm still I'm still pinching myself <laughs> over <laughs> a little bit. And what I, I saw that was really, really cool is that, um, is it for next year, I think they're going to actually include self-published works to be um, 
considered for the Clark Award as well. Yeah, which I think is just the coolest. And I mean, that's not just me. Like, uh, my understanding is that's something that, um, you know, the folks behind the award had been discussing for a long time, you know, sort of, should we open this up or not? And the long way was just, you know, sort of the the, the little nudge or like, the, you know, the, the domino that, that, that got it going. So, um, so I think that's, I think that's just fabulous that, that they're, they're opening it up, you know, because self-publishing, you know, uh, for all the stigma, which is thankfully vanishing rapidly, um, there's some wonderful work out there. And I think it's great that, authors nowadays have the option, have so many different options. You know, if you want to go traditional, that's there. But if not, there's so many other ways to get it done. And I think, you know, if you're talking about something like like the Clark recognizing, you know, the, the quality work that's out there, I think that's great. I think that's that's just going to encourage um, more people to to get their voices out there any way they can. Yeah, I think it's fabulous. And I'm really excited to see what makes it to the self-published shortlist next year. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk a bit about um, your actual approach to writing. So there's a lot of stuff that I I read, you know, where people talk about, you know, is science fiction really about like the science? Is it, you know, is it more about the ideas than characters? And then I I read, I think it was on your um, sort of the, for the Reddit book club, when you were talking Mm -hmm. about how um, you worried about your book because, um, you know, it's a science fiction novel that's not really plot driven, but uh, character driven. And yeah, you know, so I was wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit about um, maybe how you did you come up with the idea first or the characters first? And do you think that science fiction is more about the ideas or the characters? Um, In my work, character definitely comes first. And and that was true with The Long Way, for sure. Um, You know, I had this this cast of characters um, that I really liked. And it's actually something that, that held me back from writing the book for a really long, or like actually cobbling the book together. I'd been, I'd been writing scenes with the crew for, for years, um, like a good seven years by the time I sat down and actually put it all together because for the longest time I didn't think it was a book. I was like, I just have these scenes between these people. I don't have, um, you know, the galaxy isn't blowing up. There's no like devious plot that's going to end existence as we know it. You know, all these things that you kind of associate with space opera, you know, these big political machinations. Hmm. Um, I didn't have any of that. And so it took a lot of time before I, I sort of worked up the courage to be like, well, but you can have a you, you can have a story in space about small things too. It doesn't always have to be, you know, planets explode I mean I love planets exploding don't get me wrong I did you know but (laughs) but um but yeah I think you know but but within that you know it is a story about the characters but I'm also you know I am tackling ideas as well you know it's not just people having tea I mean there's a bit of that but um (laughs) so there's happy tea it's happy tea happy tea and boring tea I'm more of a boring (laughs) tea drinker myself but um but yeah so I mean, science fiction is inherently about ideas, right? Like it's, whether it be um, technology or anthropology, like it's it's about exploring ideas. It's about exploring realities beyond our own. So, you know, at its core, it is an idea-driven genre. But in in my opinion, and, and there are some who disagree, and that's fine because there should be lots of different kinds of stories out there. But um, I think you, if you're, the way to make ideas interesting is to make it relatable. You have to, you have to make it something that the reader can connect to. And without good characters, 
you know, you're just writing an ethics textbook, you know, you're just writing like a wiring diagram. And that can be really fun, you know, but if you want it to be a good story, you have to have people that 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 we care about, you know, so that so that's always where I start. And then from there, um, you know, from there, it's just sort of inevitable, the things I think about bleed into that. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I I much prefer books when they are character driven, and I think some of my my favorite Ursula Le Guin books. You have, mm-hmm. you know, Left Hand of Darkness is basically an anthropology study, but yes. it, it wouldn't yeah. be interesting to read if she hadn't created interesting characters to to sort of explore those ideas through. And yeah, I can, I definitely think that without those, yeah, characters, we science fiction can be quite dull (laughs) Mm, yeah i agree i mean it's like it's like technology right like i mean i love um both in my own work and and reading and interacting with other people's you know different kinds of tech like cool gadgets like i'm all about that but it it does you know technology is ultimately just a tool and a tool doesn't matter unless you know how it's going to affect how it's going to better or worsen the life of the person using it and and so you know, all of these things, you know, when you, you have to have people, you have to have people in order to, to connect with these ideas and to understand why they're important. So, um, with the science in the long way, do you, I mean, is there any particular science that you, you know, wanted to get in or, uh, like the, the punching holes in space? I mean, did you try to research that? Did you like try to find what might actually be within the realms of possible, like, you know, yeah, definitely. So, um, so I grew up um, in a in a family that was very involved in space science. Um, my mom teaches astrobiology. Um, my dad uh, was a an aerospace engineer. He just recently retired. Um, my grandfather worked on Apollo. So, like, um, space science, you know, the the, the reality of that is something that I, I just kind of grew up alongside, and that. Um, is really important to me. It's part of the reason why I write science fiction is that, you know, I want people to be interested in that stuff because I think it's great. Um, so um, I try to keep things within the realm of possibility. Um, although, I mean, I, you know, that's, all, that's always a spectrum, you know, like I'm not writing The Martian, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not that realistic, but we're talking like far, far future. Here are things that could maybe be true could we build wormholes i mean in theory sure do we have the technology to do it right now no um but um but it's something that could potentially be done um you know with 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 capabilities far beyond what we have right now so so yeah i always start with the real stuff you know how how do you know how how do we conceive of wormholes what do we know about um gravity what do we know about um you know high speed travel in space you know what are the kinds of of fuels what are the kinds of engines we're using and then I I play with it from there you know I try to strike a good balance between science that if not you know if it's not actually going to happen it's something that you know maybe could um and also but but not getting too bogged down into that you know I'm very cautious about a um extrapolating too much on on subjects that I'm not an expert in like mm-hmm. yeah I did some research into wormholes but I'm not an ex- I'm not a physicist you know and so I knew 
the more, if I tried to get too detailed about that, the physicists reading it are going to call bullshit, right? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, and, and that's exactly why that, that the scene in the book where wormholes are explained is explained to someone who does not have a physics background. It's like, here are the basics you need to know, and that's it. Because, and that, that serves both the story and serves, you know, me sort of covering myself a little bit in that it's not a topic I feel like I can actually sit there and be like, well, here's how you'd actually build a wormhole. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think that I, I write much more about concept than actually like digging into here's how you would set this up, you know, step by step. Yeah. Well, oh. as you say, that's like a technical textbook. That's <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And, you know, some authors do that. And that's awesome. You know, I mentioned The Martian already, but like, that's what makes The Martian great, right? Is that it's like, here's how you could actually do all this stuff. And that's awesome. But it's a very different type of story. Yeah. And written by, he's a scientist, isn't he? Um, isn't he? I think maybe he at least has a, a science background or is an enthusiast. He may be. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> don't quote me. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the other things that I really loved about The Long Way is that there's humour in it, because I find that a lot of science fiction, you know, it gets really bogged down and it's really serious, or, you know, we have more dystopias and more, you know, it's after the end of the world and so on mm -hmm. and so forth, But which we have a bit of with yours, but there's just, you know, it's fun and it's just, it's like... Um, you know, action adventure and you're out there with these characters and you just want to have fun and you want to, you know, you, you like the humor between in the relationships between each other, you know, the the one that's always angry and you know, the ones that irritate <laughs> them. And, you know, it, um, it, it was just a really refreshing read, I think, for me, because, it, you know, too often I'm reading these depressing books and it was like, oh, yes, something fun. Oh, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. I mean, that's... Um... I think it's it's it makes a lot of sense why we see a lot of dystopias or a lot of you know the world is going to end because these are these are ideas that are on our minds right now out in the real world right like yeah. we're 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 dealing with problems on a planetary scale and we never had to do that before and it's effing terrifying like it's just it's stressing everybody out and so of course our stories are reflecting that you know that's why I think we're seeing a lot of near future science fiction you know a lot of apocalypses a lot of um, you know, uh, world governments gone wrong, you know, all these things that were, were you know, in environmental collapse, all these things we're, we are, we are afraid of out in the real world. And that's good. And that's healthy. Like we should be having, we should be telling those stories because it's, you know, like stories always reflect the time that they're told in. Mm. Um, but I think you also have to counterbalance that with, you know, here's why the struggle is worth it. You know, he, here's here's yeah that the, the immediate future might be scary, but we've got to believe in a future farther down the road that's okay. You know, and or, or that's worth getting to. Um, you know, in in my book, um, yeah, like old Earth history is pretty depressing. I don't get into it too much, but yeah, we, we broke the Earth and had to leave. Um, and yeah, I'm I sure if I were to. No, my yeah, dad would really like that because he's for years he's been telling everyone that he's about his planet trashes theory that we just trash this planet, move on to the next one. So I think my dad would definitely be on board with yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and then that's that's what I wrote is that's what happened. But but for the, the for the people in my books, um, you know, that's that's ancient history. That's so long ago that you know most people haven't been there. Um, you know, like some people are still on earth, but like most people haven't been there. And for most people, it's this, it's this distant 
thing that nobody really thinks about, you know, and so that we've gotten to a point, we being humanity has gotten to a point where, you know, we got through it, like things really sucked for a while, but we got through it and we're doing okay now, you know, and I think, I don't know, I mean, I'm biased, of course, but I think that's, that's, that's a, that's a good kind of future to think about, you know, what happens after the apocalypse, you know, the apocalypse isn't the end game, you know, what happens 500 years after that, that's what interests me. Yeah, well, I mean, original Star Trek was kind of, you know, mm-hmm. after World War Three and the yep. uh, superhumans, we then came past it and created something better. And, there, you know, Roddenberry's idea was very optimistic. And I feel like we've lost some of that. I, I don't really necessarily always want to read something pessimistic. I like the idea that there's hope and that we might actually create something pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, um, Star Trek is a huge, huge influence on me. Like, I, I can't remember life before Star Trek. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I watched, yeah, I, I watched Next Generation in between my parents on the couch when I was, yep. like, too small yep. to separate Same. reality and fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, that was something I kept in mind when um, doing the world building for the long way is, I, I mean, I, I Roddenberry's vision of the future, I'm not, I'm not sure how... I'm not sure I can articulate how important and, and formative that idea um, was for me and still is like, I, I, I really do think it's something I, I, I take very much to heart and, and sort of live by in a way, this idea that we can, you know, that, that the future of humanity, you know, the, the, where we get to a point where the whole, you know, our, our reason for being is to better ourselves, right? It's not about conquest. It's not about, um, money, it's about bettering ourselves. I think that's just the most beautiful idea. Um, but I wanted with with m- my story to um, sort of have a balance, like find, find the spot on the spectrum between the uh, Roddenberry utopia and the near future apocalypse. You know, I wanted to to, you know, find something a little more of a compromise sort of, you know, this, I, the, you know, it, cause on the one end it's like humans are the best. This is the best of what humans can be. And on the other end you have humans are terrible and we break everything. <laughs> and so I, I wanted to take more of a point of, okay, we, we made a lot of mistakes, but we're not super terrible, but we're also not as great as we, as we think we are. Like there's definitely um, a humility to the, to the, the humans in my books, you know, we're not the best species in the galaxy. We're not the ones who come swooping in on the flagship to save everybody. Um, you know, we're the we're we're really in the background. You know, there's these bigger things going on, um, and so that idea that that we're special but not the most special is something I, I really tried to get in there. Yeah, and I I, I really liked how you you did that with uh, Rosemary's family, and and mm. sort of bringing that in as well, so that you could kind of look at the dark, darker aspects without it mm-hmm. sort of overshadowing the story as a whole, but also so that you, I feel like a lot of um, times when you have, you know, obviously ethically wrong, you know, uh, things taking place, it becomes very mm-hmm. kind of patronizing. And, yeah. but, but I never felt that way when um, you had that in there. And I think it was because it was just kind of part of her character and it wasn't really driving a story. And it was just kind of an extra texture in there for, for those characters. 
I'm I'm really happy to hear that. <laughs> I tried I tried to um I tried to give those things a light touch. You know, I don't want to sugarcoat things either. You know, I but at the same time I I'm very cautious of going in and you know beating the reader over the head with the book and being like this is the moral, like yeah. this is the lesson. Like nobody wants to read that. You know, nobody wants to be preached to. At the end of the day, you know, people go into books because we want to have a good time. We want to have fun, and we ultimately want to learn things. But um. You know, I keep it subtle. I try to, you know, I keep it light because if, you know, otherwise it just, it gets so heavy handed, you know? Yes. Yeah. And it's really easy to tread into that sort of territory. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, sorry. Yeah. I've just been fangirling all over you today. So <laughs> like, I love your book, <laughs> but it's good. It's good. All right. So um, I also wanted to talk to you about the sort of the diversity of the cast of characters you have in there. So you've got you know, a representation of different genders, you've got different sexual orientations, and you, you know, of course, in science fiction, different species, which is mm -hmm. awesome. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, like, talk to you about, you know, when you're writing, like, are these very deliberate choices? Um, you know, like, did you try and, like, I feel like sometimes, obviously, when we want to have diversity, you know, it then comes down to, oh, well, I've got these many, this many characters, and do I need to have, you know, X many that are representing this kind of, thing and and you know mm -hmm. like did you think about that uh what were the decisions that that went into all of it I mean I didn't have like a checklist you know I wasn't going through and being like oh I don't have this I don't have this I just I I wrote um I wrote what felt right for the characters you know but at the same time I was really mindful of it because you know as someone who grew up with sci-fi who's loved I mean you know, I've loved sci-fi my entire life and it's it is hard to find myself in there sometimes you know it's it's hard to find um you know good women can I mean there are plenty of female characters in science fiction sure but we don't tend to get the spotlight as much um it's really hard to find queer characters it's you know it's 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 tough it's tough finding yourself in there and so that was you know it, in writing a future that where everyone would feel welcome. Yeah, it was something I thought about a lot, you know? Um, but again, same with, with, you know, the moral of the story. I, I, I just let it happen organically. You know, it, it wasn't a, here's my, here's my list of things that need to go in here. It was, I'm going to write the world as I see it. I'm going to write the future as I see it. I'm going to write my friends. I'm going to write, you know, parts of myself, um, you know, I'm going to write the society that I live in. And, and that's what ended up on the page. You know, I mean, I've, I've, um, you know, I've always lived in, in towns and communities that had lots of different people from lots of different places. You know, I grew up down in, in Los Angeles County where, you know, there, there are people from everywhere and that just sort of becomes, um, you know, the, part of part of your every day and then when you when you go into to science fiction or just media in general and it doesn't reflect what you see on the playground or what you see when you go out shopping you know like that that's something i i kept in mind um so yeah again it was it was intentional but i i didn't force it you know mm -hmm. um when you come to the different species within your book mm -hmm. i just it was really fun because obviously in a lot of science fiction, you know, obviously the aliens are not only just alien in terms of what they look like or any of that. It's always, you know, a very different culture. Um, yeah. But I, I, I'm going to struggle to articulate this, but <laughs> um, it was just, I really liked the way that you kind of 
built cultures that might sort of challenge the ideas of the humans um mm-hmm. and then but in ways that you know and then represented it in quite um i guess sympathetic terms or you, you know like um yeah see i knew i was going to struggle to articulate it but, no, but I, I, I get what you're saying <laughs> i just <laughs> i liked that that not all the cultures necessarily did um so here's an example when you think about some um sci-fi they have that kind of default setting of just Mm -hmm. going oh here's a new species and a completely different culture and yet we've still got the same you know gender inequalities at play or you've still got the same kinds of just even thought patterns and i felt like yeah you managed to escape that a little bit so i was just wondering about how you came up with the different cultures and like what went into planning them and trying to find interesting ideas behind cultures also without doing that thing um i don't know it's, it's fancy i don't know if you've read it but the belgariad i have not read it okay well it's from like the 80s um okay. <laughs> it's a series of uh fantasy books but it it very much does that whole oh people from this place are like this and people mm, from this okay. place are like this and yeah i mean i love it because it's fun and and you know it's it's just fun fantasy and you know it's from the mm-hmm. 80s we will forgive it a little right. bit <laughs> right. um but yeah you, you managed to you know escape that so i just wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you planned it and um, came up with those different species yeah it's kind of twofold um because you you know when you're inventing aliens um or fantasy creatures or, or what have you um you know you you have to think both about culture and you also have to think about biology you know, so those are the two the two things I, I I blend together, right? So, biology is in some ways is sort of the easier one, and you know, um, I, I just I ever since I was a kid, you know, I've I've loved critters. I love different sorts of things. I love bugs. I love deep sea creatures. You know, I love all of the life on our own planet that really challenges our idea of what life is like, what, what bodies are like, um, what sex is like, um, you know, you, you don't have to, to go far in the animal kingdom to find aliens, to find things that, you know, just if you imagine it on a human scale, you're like, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense, you know, like, um, and, uh, so even on our own planet, you know, the, the way we are built, the way we reproduce, the way we communicate is not the default, you know, so so why would it be in the galaxy at large? Mm. Um, and then in terms of culture, um, I think one thing that at least that I, I value just in my personal life um, is that, you know, I, I grew up um, in, in an international family. You know, I, I have family over in Europe. Um, uh, you know, I, I myself am American, but I am, you know, married to an Icelander. Like, you know, and these are, it's not, these are not like far away cultures. Like these are all within Western culture. And yet when we all get together for dinner or, you know, um, watch, like one of the best things you can do to learn about cultural differences is watch a comedy, like a movie with someone from a different culture, because you will realize really quickly that even if you're speaking the same language and, you know, your society is set up very much the same way, you'll realize that you don't find the same sorts of things funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have the same sorts of cultural references. You don't have the same sorts of like social shorthand. And it really opens your eyes to the fact that, um, 
there is no default culture, even if you're talking about, you know, people who all speak English and who all really look the same, um, you know, and who all live in the same sorts of houses. We, we have really different ideas and really different social norms. Um, you know, my wife and I, like, we've been together 12 years and we still every so often have to kind of pause and be like, wait, is that an Icelandic thing? Is that an American thing? Like, are you know, like, where there's some sort of miscommunication, mm -hmm. you know, because somebody gave a signal that the other one interpreted differently, you know? So I think um, that's, that's something that I, 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 I keep very much in mind when, um, when creating aliens, when create or, or creating different human cultures, right? Because there isn't a, a, a human monoculture yes. in my books. So, um, so that's something I think about a lot, the, 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 the differences um, of opinion and of just, just of thought, um, you know, and, and figuring out how, how people would navigate those things, because that's something I have to do in my personal life as well. So I think it, it's just sort of natural that it, that it, it crept in there in my work too. Well, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. So I keep doing it. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, because you, you wanted to do this, you know, when you initially just started the book and you were quite happy with it. I mean, did you initially mm -hmm. think that you would go on to write more books, especially like in this world? Or is, is I, like Common Orbit something that happened just because you found like more success? Well, I, it's, it's a tricky question. I wasn't <laughs> really, I didn't have any immediate plans for writing anything more. I knew when I created this setting for the first book that there was a lot of potential to write other stuff within that universe. Um, it was an idea I'd sort of casually flirted with, but hadn't had any concrete plans for it. And um, before I got the offer from Hotter, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to work on next. Um, and uh, so I had started, you know, just sort of dabbling a little bit with, you know, some, some small creative writing projects. And I had gone back to, um, the um the story that had inspired pepper the character pepper who is the she's a minor character in the long way and she's she's one of the protagonists of, of a close and common or orbit and she's actually um taken from uh the first the first story i ever got a rejection letter for um about <laughs> six years ago um wasn't in the same universe or anything it was just a story i'd written and very rightly was rejected for because i was just not there yet um but she was a character I liked. So I just, I stuck her in the long way and, and didn't have any plans to do anything further with her. Um, but then when I found myself being like, okay, you know what I want to work on next, I found myself gravitating toward her and um, re-exploring that original story. And then when my editor um, came to me, you know, uh, and was like, you know, do you have any plans for a sequel? And I, I answered very honestly, I'm like, I don't have anything else for this crew. Um, and I'm not going to force it, you know, because if I have another story to tell about them, I will. But I, I was really reluctant mm. to just write another book about them for the sake of writing another book about them. You know, it just it I felt like it would be really hollow. Um, but I said, yeah, I was like, well, but I but I have been kind of working on this other thing. And I, I could do a book about Pepper and Lovelace. And um and she dug that and I was like, okay, cool, I'll do that. So, so that's, that's what I did. That's, that's a close and common orbit. Um, so yeah, it was not in my original plan to write that book, but, um, but it's a story I'm, I'm really glad to have had the chance to, to tell.
Oh, I think more TV shows should take a, a leaf out of your book with <laughs> <laughs> not just trying to force the, the next season and next season. <laughs> and yeah, actually, <laughs> I, I hate it when people do that, you know, because it's like after a point, it, it kind of wears out its welcome, you know. And and the thing is, because you, you sometimes I mean, I do this where I look at a show and I'm like, oh, I want more of that. And the thing is, I don't actually what I want is something that gives me that same feeling. You know, but nothing's ever going to feel at, you know, like like a like a, a show does in its first few seasons when it's really, really good. You know, you want it to you want it to be that you want it to be really, really good. And, and and when it when it wears out, it's welcome when it stays too long or like, you know, creeps into like 10, 11, 12 seasons. And you're like, oh, God, it's not what you actually wanted. You yeah. just wanted something that got you that exciting that, that got you that excited again. You yeah. know, so. Um, I know there are people who would who would really like to see more stories about um, the Wayfarer crew, and if I have them, I'll t- I'll totally write it. But um, but I'm not going to push it. Oh, fair enough. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, just you know science fiction that you love. So you know, have you got any? Um, I lo- I love just talking to other writers and fans of the genre about what you're reading, what you're watching. Um, if you think there's anything out there, especially um, you know, given the the um, topic of this podcast, you know, are there any wonderful female characters you've seen represented, or any like female writers that you just want to give a shout out to and tell everybody to read? Um, I have to admit that I am super behind on my reading. <laughs> um, I just finished Close and Common a couple months ago, and um, I really didn't have time to read anything while I was writing it. I had a full-time job at the time, so it was really just job and book, and that was it. Um, so I have this giant stack of, of things I need to catch up on. Um, but what I do tend to do is, is I, I watch a lot of Netflix um, I find that's a really good way to spend my free time because if if my free time is limited picking up a book after a day of writing, I'm a little bit like, it's a lot more words and I've done a lot of words today. <laughs> so it's, it's yep. nice to go explore other mediums. Um, this one is fresh in my head just because I, I just showed it to my mom. Um, but I'm, I'm all about Orphan Black right now, which I feel like everyone should watch. Um, it's got just such an incredible cast of, of characters, um, of female characters and the acting in it is just stellar. And it's, it, it's not only just a really gripping science fiction story, but, um, does such a wonderful job of showing all the different things that women can be, you know, all the different, um, the sort of iterations we can inhabit. I think it does a really, gutsy thing in having an unlikable protagonist an unlikable female protagonist well she's likable but she she makes terrible decisions and she's not always um she, she does a lot of things that that um we generally don't allow female characters to do she's not a really good mother you know, we, 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 the series opens and we find out she's abandoned her kid for almost a year. And, and I feel like that takes so much courage to do stuff like that because we, we expect our female characters to be so, um, you know, they have to be likable, they have to be moral, they have to be mm-hmm. self-sacrificing and all that. And so to have a show that is just chock full of characters that are messy and flawed and imperfect and a lot of times not people you really want to be around um i think is i think is just brilliant so that one i'm all about right now i also you mentioned the gwyn earlier she's um a a huge 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 inspiration of mine i've been reading um 
a collection of her early short stories, which are actually really interesting to go back to. Um, it's called uh, the, the, the Wind's Twelve Quarters. And it's it's all of her first stories from like the I, I think the sixties and seventies, you know, some yeah. of the, the very first things she published. And man, I mean they're 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 challenging in a lot of ways and they're it's so neat going back into her early work, you know, knowing where she ended up later on. It's really, you know, because I admire her so much for for um creating aliens that really feel alien. And it's interesting going back into her early stuff and finding these cultures that that do have very default you know western human ideas about marriage and gender because that's not things i associate with her at all mm. you know so it's it's kind of neat being like going back and being like wow even she had kind of an evolution on that front you know um i'm enjoying that a lot it's a, it's a if if you like if you like her later stuff um it's it's a really good read just to sort of see the evolution of 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 somebody learning their craft Awesome. Uh, one of my, I'm going to, I can't remember the name of it, but one of my favorite short stories I've read was one of hers where um, it's sort of, you know, I don't really like the term, but magical realism kind of mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with the, the coyotes and the, the stone that becomes the eye. and Oh, yeah. Oh, um, I can't remember the name of it either. Yeah, but I yes, can't remember the name, yes. but that that's just, I, I read that and I was like, oh my goodness, that's just incredible. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's, she's just phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, just to wrap things up, if uh, so when, when I'm sort of telling my friends, oh, you should go read this book. It's like I, I use um, I think it was one of those sort of puff piece that you had on one of the blurbs or something that, uh, you know, it's like Firefly meets uh, Mass Effect. And that to me, you know, that really sells the book <laughs> to people. I'm like, you should read it. It's like this meets this and it's great. Um, but how, how would you uh, pitch your books to our listeners? Well, um, so the first book, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, is the story of a wormhole construction crew as it travels from one end of the galaxy to the other. Uh, I think it can be most succinctly explained as a road trip movie in space. Um, it's if you're looking for something with a big, chewy plot, you will not find it here. Uh, this is very much a character-driven story. It's told through the viewpoints of nine different characters as they make various points, uh, ports of call throughout the galaxy. And through their eyes, we get to see what uh, an intergalactic future might look like through the eyes of the everyman. So that's the first book. The second book, I... I'm still trying to find a good way to talk about it without spoiling the first book. Um, so the second book, <laughs> um, A Closed and Common Orbit, which will be out next month, uh, October. I don't know when this... So maybe it's this month by the time you're listening to this. I'm not sure. Um, but A Closed and Common Orbit um, is the sequel to The Long Way, but it is not a direct sequel. It follows two minor characters from the first book um, sort of branching off from the, the latter events there. Um, it's it's kind of two books in one. You have um, the past timeline inve- involving um, a genetically engineered human um, who is spending her childhood and adolescence alone in a junkyard trying to make her escape to the galaxy at large. And in the present, you have an AI in an illegal um 
human-like body who is trying to find her place in the galaxy. Two very different stories, but they are all tangled up in each other that, um, in ways that will become revealed if you read the book. So that's what I got. Yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, reading Close and Common Orbit. So, <laughs> Well, I, I hope you enjoy. I'm sure I will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been a real pleasure. And um, I hope that uh, everyone goes out and buys your books because they're awesome. Oh, I, I mean, I, I'm biased, <laughs> but I hope so too. No, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Glass Slipper. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you check out breakingtheglassslipper.com for all episode notes. And make sure you tune in in the next two weeks for yet another episode of Breaking the Glass Slipper.